Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. You know there are good reasons to have cesarean sections so whilst it's something that we can you know really aim to achieve and has have as a very likely possibility for a lot of women that sometimes there are really great reasons to have cesarean sections so to also have that as part of your plan that you can know that if it is if you you are aiming to achieve a vaginal birth this time that if it is necessary to have a cesarean section that you don't feel like it's um it's something that you've failed to do or that it's not part of the plan because I hope it is a part of everyone's plan that we can have, you know, a safe birth by cesarean section if we need to. Hi, welcome back. Today we're talking to a beautiful midwife, Kelly Langford, and she's an endorsed midwife in private practice at uh, the private midwifery business, Mama Melbourne. And she graduated from a double bachelor degree as a midwife nurse in 2007. And after two years of practicing in a major maternity hospital in Melbourne, she was a bit disillusioned by the system. Um, was lucky enough to be mentored by two wonderful midwives into private practice. And then after that, in 2011, she founded Mama, Midwives and Mothers Australia with Jan Ireland, um, who you will have heard on the show a couple of times. She's my beautiful, beautiful midwife that has delivered all four of my babies. <laughs> um, so Kelly enjoys practicing privately because it allows her to care for families in a partnership and she feels that she can give a unique and individualized care this way. I'm both extremely passionate and grateful for the opportunity to work this way. Another passion she has in her professional life is childbirth education classes. She's a trained calm birth educator and runs skills workshops for midwives as well as guest lecturing at universities. Currently teaches the Mama Birth class and it's an evidence-based childbirth education course facilitated by the Mama Midwives. She's got her own beautiful two young children and a wonderful husband who support her to work in her dream job. You know, working on call could, as I can imagine, could be a logistical nightmare for families, but um, her family makes it work and she likes to run to keep her body and mind calm and spending time outdoors, particularly in the mountains, rejuvenates her. Oh, what a lovely bio. <laughs> so really excited to bring uh, Kelly to today's conversation on feedback or vaginal birth after cesarean section today. So here she is. Welcome, Kelly. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No worries. Great <laughs> to be here. So yeah, today we're talking all things VBAC. So can you give us a little bit of a, a VBAC 101? What What is it? What does it entail? Especially for our sort of first time pregnant um, mamas or mamas who are sort of looking at, uh, you know, going into second time and they have had a cesarean section. What, what is a VBAC? Yeah, sure. So VBAC is vaginal birth after cesarean section. Um, it's a term we use to describe women that choose to uh, go into labour and try to have a vaginal birth after they've had um, one, two, three cesarean sections. Um, it's still called a VBAC. So it's something that um, majority of women can choose to do after they've had a cesarean section. Um, and there's only a couple of contraindications to having a VBAC or to um, to attempting to have vaginal birth after cesarean section. 
Well, the, the main one is if um, if the first caesarean section was uh, what we call a classical caesarean section, which is really uncommon. It's very rare, particularly um, in, in Australia or in other developed countries. We usually do a lower uterine segment caesarean section, which is a caesarean that's done across the lower segment of the uterus, which is just above the pubic bone. But that can be, only be done after the lower segment of the uterus forms, which is between 26 to 28 weeks. Mm. So if women need to have a cesarean section before then, um, then they have what we call a classical cesarean section, which is um, cutting straight down from through the, the transabdominus muscles, so directly from the zippy sternum down to the pubic bone. And that's a big contraindication to try and be back because the risk of the that wound tearing is much, much higher. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there, um, obviously there's more awareness around VBAC, you know, sort of in our modern days, but I still feel like a lot of women that have had a C-section previously will just automatically assume that that's the next route of delivery for their baby and maybe um, there's various reasons for that. But I, I think it's good to sort of know that there's not a lot of contraindications to, to doing it. What about in terms of the time between you know, deliveries, uh, you know, is there anything yeah. else that might sort of be a red flag for, you know, not going down that route? It's not an absolute contraindication like the um, classical scar is. It, it's preferable that there's a longer time frame between um, cesarean section and attempted vaginal birth. We say two years is probably around a safe um, time between pregnancies but or between labour and um cesarean section but it's it's not something that you definitely uh, would be recommended it would be a probable increased risk of the scar rupturing but I don't know that there's evidence around what that risk actually is Mm, yeah. yeah, from a sort of physiological healing perspective, like we know that fascia takes up to two years to remodel and sort of rebuild. And so, you know, that two years does sort of make sense to me. So, you know, that sort of, you know, it does sound like a good ballpark to have had a low risk of any sort of um, sort of rupture of the scar. But I feel like it's just, yeah, a lot of women will assume that that C-section is the sort of route of their, you know, the best sort of way to deliver their baby um, if they've had a previous one. And so do you... Um, find that's something that you are educating women on sort of more these days in sort of private, the sort of private midwifery sort of scene or? Yeah, look, uh, to be honest, mostly women are coming to us having already made the decision that they would like to have a VBAC. Um, mm. It's usually seeking out private midwives that are keen or passionate to have a different experience to what they had the first time. And um, for women that have had a cesarean section first time, they're not usually coming to us saying, I'm not sure what I want. They usually coming to us saying, I really would like to try to achieve a vaginal birth next time and um, trying to get us on board to help them do that. So we're not as much in the decision-making process as I suppose the public hospitals would be with women that uh, are turning up really having no idea what they would like to do next time or perhaps, as you said, expecting that they would need to have a cesarean section or some women that it would be preferable that they had a cesarean section next time if particular things happened in the labour or birth the first time around. So they might already have in their mind that that's what they want. Or for some women, it's what they, they believe it'll be a, a better experience just to have an elective cesarean section rather than go through another labour and end up having a cesarean section. Um, as they did the first time. So there's a lot of, a lot of individual uh, experiences coming into it. 
Yeah, and it's not just a physical decision, it's an emotional and sort of psychological one as well, isn't it? So a lot of different elements at play, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so um, uh, if someone's sort of gone through the sort of traditional obstetric route previously, are obstetricians in your experience, are they, um, or I'm sure it's just a case by case, but more likely to recommend a repeat C-section um, or are they sort of generally, like this is obviously a gross generalisation, but open to women sort of trying a VBAC, like just in terms of the, the community that you see and that you work with? We again we're very lucky to work with some really fabulous um, obstetricians that will try and achieve a vaginal birth when it is safe to do so and yeah. the majority of is safe in in the VBAC context we do have yeah particular obstetricians that we can refer women to if they want to go down the private obstetrician route that are very supportive of that and would have great rates of achieving VBAC success. I think in the public hospital system, they say that you have about the same amount, uh, about the same chance of success of VBAC as you do of having a, a vaginal birth with your first baby, about a 30 to 35% um, cesarean section rate. Yeah, that seems to be what the public hospital stats are. But as with private midwives, most private obstetricians don't, um, well, we don't have to put out statistics, so we don't actually know for a lot of um, practitioners what their what their recommendations are and um, what their statistics are and because of their recommendations. Yeah, that's it's not meant like yeah, it's not mandatory to put their stats out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I'm sure. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, in your setting, women are coming to you knowing that that's what they want. That it probably is a little bit more common than in the private obstetric sort of setting versus private midwifery. Um, I'm just hazarding a guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and our stats for VBAC success would be similar to. Um, to the women that come having their first babies with us, which is somewhere between a 10 to 12% cesarean section rate, regardless of whether they've had a, a cesarean first time or not. Mm, so, that's great. Yeah, and that's sort of in line with what the WHO recommendations are really. It's that sort of 10 to 15% of women who will actually require a C-section across yeah. the sort of normal population versus the stats of what actually happens <laughs> in Australia. Yeah. Um, it's close to that sort of 35-ish percent, I think, isn't it? I'm not sure if you know the up-to-date stats on that one. but Yeah, about right. It changes slightly every month, but yeah, 35% seems to be where it sits most times. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what advice would you give to a woman wanting to explore VBAC as a pathway, as a possibility for her birth? Um, and are there any sort of resources that you can point her to? Yeah. So I would really encourage her to make sure um, she, her team are on board. So if, if she does have a continuity of care, whether it's a private obstetrician or a midwife that's got, you know, some hospital policies or even a private midwife, <laughs> make sure that that much on the same page about um, what she wants and why she wants it and also that there's um, you know there are good reasons to have cesarean sections so whilst it's something that we can you know really aim to achieve and has have as a very likely possibility for a lot of women that sometimes there are really great reasons to have cesarean sections so to also have that as part of your plan that you can know that if it is if you you are aiming to achieve a vaginal birth this time that if it is necessary to have a cesarean section that you don't feel like it's um, 
it's something that you've failed to do or that it's not part of the plan because I hope it is a part of everyone's plan that we can have, you know, a safe birth by cesarean section if we need to, making sure we have, um, yeah, that they're supported by the team. Um, so if they have a private obstetrician, talking to them early about if, if you know, if they're supportive of VBAC and what, um, what sort of uh, criteria they would have to meet to have a VBAC and whether they would be um, happy to break the woman's waters to try and get things going or if, whether they would be intervening at all or if it would just be, have to be, you know, a really um, straightforward, natural labour for them to proceed because every practitioner does have different sort of different situations that they're happy to to deal with with feedback. So with a private obstetrician, it's a lot more um, individual, whereas when you get to the public hospital systems, they have policies and protocols so you can basically find their policy and you know what majority of the practitioners should be recommending in the setting. So it's, it's a bit easier to navigate in that setting. And of course, some uh, private midwives will facilitate vaginal birth after cesarean section at home as well so I wasn't sure if you um if that's sort of a stand sort of something that is okay in a home sort of setting in terms of like insurance and all that sort of stuff for you guys so is that sort of a normal uh potential pathway if you are sort of serving a woman at home for a home birth with a VBAC? well we actually don't have insurance for any birth at home which is okay. another whole in of itself how um, bloody amazing we, are you they're doing it anyway the government looks at it and says no um, we, we don't have any insurance options, so you're exempt from having insurance from that part of your practice. Carry on practicing as well. So we, uh, we have guidelines put out by the Australian College of Midwives that guide our practice and having a previous cesarean section isn't a contraindication to us being the primary carers. So it's up to the individual midwife or practice really as to how comfortable they are with supporting feedback at home. But I would say the majority of midwives are comfortable as long as everything is very, very straightforward um, to support a woman having a, a feedback at home. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it just sort of seems like it comes down to very similar just in, in general to, to choosing the right support team for you that's on board with your wishes and obviously that you don't have anything in any of those sort of absolute contraindications and that, that is the best sort of both physical and emotional choice for you, um, I guess, at the time. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I really like what you said about not not having a C-section as a as a possibility within your birth plan because, you know, at the end of the day we do want to have a healthy baby and um we want to stay safe and you know there is that sort of small group within which that's going to be the best route to deliver your, your baby safely and for you to both, you know, come out the other side healthy. So just being yeah. prepared for that in your mind. And there is a quote that I've seen up on um, Instagram and, um, you know, various other platforms, but it's a, it's a picture of a woman with a C-section scar and her baby is above that on her tummy and it just says, my body didn't fail me. <laughs> and it, just, yeah. it makes me a bit emotional. I haven't had a C-section. I'm um, fortunate not to have needed one, but I I know so many of my friends have been down that path and they can feel like it's not what they were looking for and they can yeah. feel like they, their birth, you know, wasn't positive because of that. But I just hope that if yeah. we can have it in our mindset that it's something that might happen and that you can prepare yourself as best physically, mentally, emotionally and your support team and have the environment right and all that sort of stuff. And then sometimes it's just the best way. <laughs> and you're right. It's definitely not a, a failure of the woman or of her body. It's, if anything, a failure of the system that we're doing mm -hmm. too many of. We live in a country where we're able to 
access this sort of really safe way to deliver our babies if we need to. And mm. if we could, could use it just for that, it would be fabulous because yeah. then we wouldn't have the trauma that women go through emotionally thinking, you know, did I really need this or, you know, could it have been different if we knew that we were only doing cesarean sections when it was better for the mother or baby physically, then, um, then yeah, we wouldn't have all around cesarean sections that we see yeah, yeah. That's, that's a whole other conversation entirely isn't it but, um yeah we, it would be great if we could aim towards that sort of more 10 percent that's recommended and i think um i was looking at the stats um earlier this year um and i think the w yeah obviously the who recommendation is more around that 10 to 15 percent and i think sweden uh, sort of hit around that mark for um c-sections but in australia yeah it's close to sort of like 35 or above and in brazil it's like 57 percent and you know there's definitely some you know uh high outliers in our western world um and in some um other uh sort of cultures as well actually there's cultural reasons for having c-sections too but yeah it would be and great if it was more when necessary rather other than for other reasons sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Um, countries like the UK are trying to move forward on things like uh, natural cesarean sections, so trying to bring in some of the natural birth, um, the best things about natural birth into cesarean sections and um, there's some really beautiful, I've never actually attended one myself, but um, there's some really beautiful videos on um, on those on, just on YouTube. Um, and there's a yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a few private obstetricians that are happy to do them um, here in Victoria, but you have to ask for it. It's not something that's routinely done. It's a sort of something you need to seek out as well. So is hopefully the way of the future that we can have a bit more um, a bit more of that happening. It is, you know, we also know that like how a woman feels about her birth is not necessarily down to the mode of delivery, but how she feels she was treated and was she respected to, heard and listened to and throughout that birth process. So, you know, that's that's the key message, isn't it really? I just hope that um, that everyone listening to this podcast can have a powerful and empowered birth, um, whatever that means to them. So regardless of cesarean section or vaginal birth or forceps or any, any type of birth, I hope that they can have a, a powerful experience so that they can move into parenthood, um, yeah, in a positive. Yeah, that's awesome. My, it's definitely my hope for every woman too. <laughs> and you guys do such a great job, like everything that you're doing um, in the sort of private midwifery scene is just amazing and um, the ladies at Mama have seen me through four babies in five years and, um, you know, I just have such respect for the midwifery profession. I mean, the obstetric sort of field in general um, as well, obviously. Um, I love my obstetrician too, but I have a special place in my heart for, for you ladies. So thank you so much for coming on the show and taking some time out of your day today, Kelly. Thank you. My pleasure. So I hope you found that uh, beautiful interview with Kelly useful. You know, I have such a soft spot, as I said, for the midwifery profession, and I feel like in my next life I might even come back as one, <laughs> maybe when my kids are at school. Um, it's certainly something that, that, that keeps coming across my mind. Um, yeah, you can uh, head on over to the Mama website to find Kelly and the other beautiful midwives there. And, you know, I think sometimes we think we have to go sort of one route or the other, that midwifery style of care or obstetric care but and I've certainly um, been fortunate enough to be able to embrace both um, through all of my pregnancies and you know I think each sort of health professional has their place but um, the midwives do uh, you know really 
sort of be that emotional, uh, both physical and emotional support for you throughout pregnancy and labour. So jump on over to Mama Melbourne. Um, the ladies there are doing some great work. And if you have any further questions about VBAC or if there's something that we haven't answered, make sure you do uh, write in and let us know. You can DM us on Instagram. Um, or send us an email over at the Lenny Rose contact page. So, yeah, uh, we'll be chatting to you guys again soon. As always, if you're loving what you're listening to, please give us a shout out on socials with the hashtag Mama Matters and tag us at Lenny Rose Active uh, with the episode that you're listening to and share with your mama mates, subscribe, and um, hope to keep uh, getting the episodes out to you thick and fast. <laughs> See you, ladies. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy-to-motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.